Hi, business people, individuals, people in transition, people of all definitions. This is Zarina, host of Grow and Learn podcasts, and I'd like to welcome Mike Amato to the podcast. You've heard of Mike before, but I'm just going to briefly introduce him without trying to put too many labels on him because he's a very expensive person in what he does, in what he, in how he defines himself. So there's no point giving him labels, but uh, Mike is an executive coach. He's a business owner, a CEO, an ex-CEO of banks. Um, he's consulting people in uh, at, at technological companies on personal development, on transformation, cultural growth. And today we're going to be talking about Another way to win. <laughs> Hi, Mike. Perfect. Way to work that in, Zarina. <laughs> Another way to win. How have you how have people been winning until now is the question. Have they actually been winning? Okay, that's a really good question. And I think today's environment is super is, is a super big challenge to that very question. You know, what is winning? Um, when I say when I say um, um, the book, I'm just finishing. I'm writing a book, and as Arena mentioned, it's another way to win, and and it's written for the idea about corporate culture, and and how corporate cultures in crisis um, need to reflect and look on what were the things, what were the seeds that were sown in times of success that creates the current crisis. There's things that organizations do. It's an ecosystem. And I hate to say it's it's, it's about corporate culture that, that creates almost every single crisis. And I give a lot of examples in my book. But we'll call it another way to win because there's an entirely different way to go about looking at the role of the company and the lives of the people that work there. And I try to think of it in two different ways. Um, the individuals, each, each of you, how you and who you are when you bring yourself to work and what that looks like. And then you look at your job if you're a leader, um, especially if you're in human, in human resources right now, uh, an HRD or um, in, in the human resources function at all, it's probably never been tougher. In other words, you're, you, you, you're trying to help the business succeed and you're trying to mentor and, and assist people in personal development. And, and yet you're a little bit removed and certainly removed now physically through this, this pandemic and the challenges that creates. You know, Zarina, um, it, it highlights for me an interesting survey that Microsoft just did. And Microsoft sent out a survey to all levels of, of management and came back and, and um, the, the, they found out that they asked executives and said, well, how do you think Microsoft has survived this pandemic? And they said, oh, we've thrived. People have stepped up the challenge. We're bolder than ever before. We're braver than ever before and, and, and just more successful. Our customers love it. Well, when they got the survey back from non-executives, 41% of the people that answered the survey were saying that they were overstressed, overtaxed, and overworked. 39% were saying they were looking for jobs outside the organization. Mm -hmm. So can you see the gap in terms of what the company wants to accomplish and what leadership feels is the pulse of the organization to what's really happening? So I think about it again from the standpoint of more than another way to win for the company to succeed. It's actually what's how do we redefine winning for the individual, and how do we change the rules so that the individual and then teams can succeed? And it becomes a very complicated conversation around that. But there is definitely another way to win beyond just simply making more money, and that's what we can talk about. Right, and it uh, this also resonates completely with what I told you at the beginning of uh, of our talk, or before we started recording, where that 
I had observed whenever I was browsing, browsing through my LinkedIn wall that companies keep to push their uh, agendas in the old way. The, the narrative hasn't changed a lot apart from introducing the word COVID here and there. But basically the trainings, what they need, uh, what they think they need to do to motivate their people, um, uh, the, the information that is coming out uh, on the topic of leadership, even from established uh, magazines like the HBO, uh, basically, everybody in uh, with a reputation is spilling out the same information, while at the same time, people, employees, uh, uh, are indeed on the brink of exhaustion. They want to change something completely. They feel absolutely um, unappreciated and unfulfilled. They want to look for fulfillment elsewhere, and they come to my trainings on intuition. So they don't care about a leadership training or yet the next corporate trainer that, that is being presented to them speaking the same old crap, they want somebody who gives them personal attention, understands that, that they are a person also with, um, even with spiritual gifts, because this, this word tends to be uh, crossed off when we talk about a, you know, personal development in a corporate environment, but people are people. They're, they have this in them. And if you're not giving it to them, if you're not including them as the entire person at work, as they wish to be and express themselves, they're going to look for an opportunity elsewhere. Wow, that was brilliant. I, I love that. Actually, you should be on my podcast one day and say that exact same thing. I love it. <laughs> you're Thank exactly you. I <laughs> you know, you're exactly right. In fact, in fact, um, my practice is more than executive coaching. So what, what I do is I do executive coaching and mentoring. And to me, there's a very important distinction there in that, um, look, it's really hard for us to talk to ourselves. I cannot hear my own voice. Somebody calls me with an issue or problem. Boy, the answer comes to me. Um, um, and it, whether it's because I have a strong gamma connection or what it is, but the answer comes to me. Um, and, and, and so, um, and, and yet when I have a situation problem, I'm not my best advisor. So it's, it's just a fact of being human. But secondly, the other thing we want to do as it turns out, and we get into the business setting, it's so constrained to the professional self. And yet isn't the personal self the same as a professional self? And, and, and isn't the, 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 aren't the challenges that we have with our family and our lives at home um, somewhat synonymous with the challenges that we have at work? And so to try to deny that because of all sorts of compliance and legal reasons, as I said, it's very difficult to be an HR director right now and try to see how can you have an impact on the health of the organization, on creating a healthy ecosystem, but you've got the same tools in your toolkit and you're constrained by the language that you need to, that you need to express inside an organization that's appropriate, has to be approved mm -hmm. by everybody. So, so what I do in terms of mentoring is that, is that first of all, I'm, a, I'm an objective voice. I don't represent the brand. I represent the individual who, who, who hires me and says, can you help me through a little bit of a, of a personal crisis or professional crisis and help me get through it? And secondly, there's not a, I don't deny the fact that there is, look, we're all energy. And we apply our energy at home and we apply our energy at work. And, and, and based on that energy, we're sending signals out that announce who we are. And based on those signals, we get an answer back. And again, is that's appropriate in a workplace? Well, I tell you, it is appropriate. As you mentioned, <laughs> we can't talk about the same old solutions, the same old problems. 
when we've got an entirely different world today and when we deny a person is energy sending vibrations out to in, in, into the to the workplace around them. I mean, how, look, we don't deny it exists when we see somebody say, oh boy, she's having a bad day, or boy, he got up on the wrong side of the bed. And yet we don't want to believe it exists sometimes. I don't say all of us, but a lot of people don't want to believe it exists when it's to the positive side. Why can't you catch good health from a great attitude? Why can't you change your career trajectory by emanating a different energy by thinking about yourself differently. So these are things that we like to talk about. By the way, by being a mentor too, I can talk about 35 years in executive in, in financial services. I've been on the board of directors of two different, two different um, banking organizations in, in the UK. So I can bring then very good tactical um, answers to certain situations and problems that come up. But the idea is that you need a holistic approach that you need to talk to the whole person not constrained by what an organization is going to limit uh, what the training class can look like because that's to serve the brand. Yeah. So I hope I've endorsed what you've said with a hundred percent energy and, and acceptance of what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can keep on adding on that. Like recently I posted something about Canada running out of dogs and I heard the same thing about uh, the UK and the reason people are running out of dogs is because of the lockdown nobody wants to stay alone at home mm -hmm. so all the dogs have been bought up you know it's a good business now to be in to import dogs to the UK and Canada um, and and so while most companies are still trying to push the same agenda of, of trainings uh, as you said I'm again repeating myself so, myself from a different perspective but they're not acknowledging that now more than ever there's the need for the personal attention for these people also from ethical uh, responsibility from the perspective of mental health. Yeah, yeah no, no, exactly right. And that is a responsibility that um, if the organization is going to be successful today, not only do you have the issues regarding each individual person, but you've got the multi-generational challenges, you've got mm -hmm. remote working challenges, you've got entirely different worlds. So solutions have to, have to be, have to be um, um, different. And when I say different, it's not radically different. So a different way to win is to focus on the whole person, is to acknowledge that each of us has a personal brand that we have present to the world every single day at work and at home. And the question is, how do we present our brand in the most powerful, successful way? And how do we apply that to work situations when you have challenging bosses, when you have challenging customers, when you have challenging coworkers, when sometimes you're that challenging person and you feel like you're creating the conflict and you don't know how to stop doing it. So the other, another way to win says, let's talk about those things in terms of the whole person. Let's talk about that personal brand and what are we doing to announce our brand? And then let's talk about how to announce that brand in the most powerful way, the most authentic way that will take us where we want to get, whether it's to be a better leader, because you're already, a, let's say you're managing something already, or whether it's to be get into leadership because you want to get into leadership, or maybe you've left a company and want to start your own business. Your personal brand is massively important to, to, um, to convey and to project, and it permeates all aspects of our life. I'll tell you something, Zarina, interesting thing just happened again the other day with a client. Mm -hmm. I always talk about my program as being six sessions, and in reality, what I do is basically I, I'm, I'm your trusted advisor for, for a, a four to six month period of time, and I'm on call when there's a situation, a problem, something comes up, reorganization at work, etc., invariably it's amazing but invariably the fourth call turns to what about my personal life i've given so much to work i've i've done so much to work especially at home now 
16 hours a day doing work tasks and things. I don't have a personal life anymore. Can we talk about that? Does this program work for that? And I always laugh because the answer is absolutely yes, absolutely. And in fact, we've got amazing results in personal life. Once you practice projecting your personal brand at work, you can also project a different personal brand out when you're an individual not at work into your personal life. And it's phenomenal, whether it's to your children, to your partner, to your partner you're going to meet one day, uh, to your co to your friends, or again, in the, in the environment at work. It's phenomenal what happens when we, when we start looking at how to bring your most powerful brand and project it from a standpoint of your highest and best energy. And, and I'll give you one, one quick other comment, then I'll, then I'll pause for a second. But what, what, what one of the key drivers of, of, of all of this, and you touched on it, is that there's a, um, human beings have a survival instinct. We all know that. And what's a survival instinct driven by scarcity? There's a whole bunch of topics written around scarcity. When we fall into scarcity mindset, we do things that close up. We protect our assets. We, we um, feel challenges when there may not be challenges. We do certain things that send certain signals. So if we don't address the scarcity mindset, meaning this right survival mindset, and do it in the right way, right off the start, right off the bat, then, then we'll be far less successful in helping somebody say, how do I project myself differently? And oh, by the way, how does this different projection create the life I want, create the career that I want? And that's what I love talking about is begin to deal with that scarcity. Uh, you know, it's obvious what's in it for me has to be answered right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What can I add? It, re it reminds me a bit of... Uh... Of course, you bring your own personality and it's your own personal approach, but it also reminds me of the program that I've been rolling out first for entrepreneurs, and then it's also available for uh, corporations as a training, which is business with meaning uh, that takes, that looks at in, in three basic um, areas of your life. One is, it's not really an area, it's yourself, how you see yourself, what you believe in, basic values, um, any possible psychological blocks that you may have, you're looking at yourself as a holistic being. Then the second layer is your relationships, what defines your relationships and how you relate to people. And the third one is directional. So that's the purpose and whether um, your personal um, values connect on some level to the values of the company. Uh, but you mentioned something earlier about also three pillars of success and they were related to to the book another way to win and these were determination what was it again that you talked about yeah. yes uh, thank Trans you in, in the pre-call mm -hmm. we talked about a formula um and it's a formula for success um a formula for freedom a formula for growth uh, to feel accomplishment right so so um what's this formula look like it's it's quite basic but it's really important to break it down and talk about it. So number one, the first aspect of, of, of the formula is motivation. Look, what, what, why does Instagram, Facebook, social media really exist? It exists because we look to, to other friends and family and, and stay in touch. But also, do you notice the prolifer proliferation of the wisdom of the ages? And so there's 13 year old boys and girls sharing the wisdom of the ages, like ketchup on French fries, um, if, if that analogy holds up, but it's just like spread everywhere. 
so that we don't even take in the meaning of the words that we say anymore. This whole notion that you can do anything, you can do anything you want is, um, is, is, is there because we seek motivation. Now remember that motivation is an, is, an, is an outside force that moves us. It causes us to be affected. So motivation is um, when you see a great speaker who says something that resonates with you and, and vibrates in your soul, that's, gosh, that motivates me. And motivation is, is sort of the fuel that starts the change process. So ideally, you want that, we want to provide that motivation, obviously, right at the beginning, but it doesn't last very long. It's like caffeine to the soul. That's why people have to continually go to motivational seminars. Right. They go home three days mm -hmm. later. Yeah. You know, the energy and effort and the memory recall kind of goes down. The feeling of being motivated goes away. So it's from the outside. It touches us to our soul sometimes when it's done right. Um, and, and, and it's designed to make us feel something and affect us. Now you want to add that to something else. You want that motivation and add it to inspiration. So the word inspiration comes from inspire, literally to take air into our lungs. Inspiration is an internal force. It's that what we do ourselves. When people say, what's my purpose in life? What's my purpose um, in this company? What's my personal family? They're, they're looking for inspiration. And that comes from themselves. It can't come from an outside source. It has to be discovered inside. So use motivation as a tool to discover inspiration and say, you know, I feel moved. I now feel moved. And it's a very sustainable and long-term, um, again, discovery of purpose that begins to move our feet. So many CEOs that I coach, I'll tell you, I have to say CEOs, you're, you're trouble for me because you talk about change, you, you embrace change, you want to understand the drivers of it, you nod your head and you lean into it, but you don't move your feet, okay? Mm -hmm. All of us have to move our feet and that's inspiration plus motivation allows that to happen. We've got to move ourselves. So that's the first part of the formula. Remember mathematical formulas? Um, put that in brackets, motivation plus inspiration. Now we want to have a multiplier effect. What is the thing that multiplies the sum of those two things? It's going to be determination. I was watching a TV show last night um, called The Undercover Billionaire. And The Undercover Billionaire had a challenge with this little barbecue stand they made. And, and, and he, they interviewed him afterwards. He said, what a successful person does, what a successful business owner does, what a successful anything we do in our life does, is you've got to be determined. You've got to be more determined than the competition if you're going to take market share from your competitor. Mm -hmm. Determination is massively important. Other people call it grit. When you talk about professional athletes, a lot of the formula, when they go and select people for the team, a lot of people more and more are looking for that grit, not just the raw talent, but the actual grit. So determination, this grit, um, the ability to stick to it is a multiplier effect. It takes the sum total of motivation plus inspiration and it magnifies it based on the power of that person's determination. That determination has to be fueled, by the way, by belief. Belief is really important. In other words, if I, if I believe that something is impossible, it's impossible because the truth is you're never wrong. Mm. If you believe it's possible, you can make it possible. Now, again, I know I sound like, a, like an Instagram post, but this is true and, and it's real that your belief system is the most, one of the most powerful motivators to your determination. Look, if I know my keys are somewhere lost in this room, I'll look forever because I know they're here. I believe they're here. I'm going to look forever. If I don't believe they're in the other room, I'm going to spend very little time there. So belief is a massively important driver of determination because it would be illogical 
to be determined about something that you didn't believe in. So now, if you add those components together, you have to multiply those components together, you end up with then the outcome is success. The outcome is you knew you. The outcome is growth. And you start feeling the sense of freedom because you're moving forward. You're, you're making progress in your life. Again, I use the word life interchangeably with work life. Whether you're a manager of people, this is crucial for you to be the most effective leader possible. Remember, manager is a title. That's all it is. Mm. Leadership is something that's earned. Okay. And you earn leadership by thinking about this formula yourself. You project it at home when you think about this formula for yourself, when you teach your children something. And it works certainly in your personal life in other ways as well. So very simple formula. Nothing there is quite surprising. But when you put it together, I think it presents kind of a different view of another way to win, another way to drive success in your life is by breaking it down to these components. Then each one of those has a little bit of work stream underneath them. Things mm -hmm. that you need to understand, things you need to think about. More definition can live underneath them. But to me, that's a foundation of a successful formula. Awesome. I love it. I'm going to use it. Good. It's for you. <laughs> <laughs> I Thank should have you. trademarked it. Sorry? You should have what? I should, I should, I should trademark it first. Yeah. <laughs> Your model formula for growth. Yeah. Uh, how is your wine business going? Can you tell us a bit about your wine business? I'm very curious. Okay, let's apply and, and I'd like and I'd like you to also show your holistic self here. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, let's apply this formula to the wine business. So, um, mm -hmm. as Arena points out, that um, several years ago I bought uh, I, I bought into a winery in the state of Washington. State of Washington now is the number two wine producing state in the United States. And by the way, we now have more 90-point wines in Washington than California. So there. So anyways, it's a, it's, uh, we, we started a winery um, in 2005, actually. So at the time, I was an executive at Barclays and undergoing a massive transformation um, um, where I learned a lot of the skills with turning around an organization of 30,000 people. And um, a lot of people ask me, what's the ROI for transformation? I'll show you exactly what the ROI is transformation. When you turn 30,000 people into, into a unified force under a common purpose, and there's a distinct way to do it, I'm telling you the results were phenomenal. We had a scorecard before and after, and, and it was fantastic. So that's my, that's my advert for this change program where I learned about it. But I had a chance to apply this formula in, in the wine business because it's a, it's started out as a hobby, very slow business. The wine business, you put a lot of money in up front, you plant the vines, you wait three years for the vines to produce fruit. Mm -hmm. You take that fruit, you wait two years to take it out of the oak, you put it in a bottle. You wait another year to take the bottle and go and sell it. And by the way, because it's a new vineyard, the wine is not very good. So really it's seven or eight, nine years before anything really starts to happen in a winery. So you need to have, you wanna be motivated certainly, but it has to be a, a, a labor of love. That's the inspiration. Our purpose was to build a premium winery in one of the United States' best um, um, terroirs. Actually, it's one of the best terroirs in the world. Mm -hmm. um, um, I can tell a story about that later if you want. But mm -hmm. then you want to say, we got to stay determined because all the time you're waiting for this plants to grow and produce and the wine to become good wine, you're paying the bills. You're paying the bills. So um, determination is massively important and we have to be more determined. And by the way, determination was a very big conversation around differentiation. In our life and in our work, differentiation is the foundation of a strategy. That's the strategy says we think there's a big market here. 
We think we can take the market with this product or service, and we're going to do it in a way that's different than everybody else. And here's why you should believe that. There's your business plan right there. So, so um, we, 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 we very determined to make sure we stayed, everything was done premium in a, in a premium way. And, and now the winery, to answer your question, is doing um, um, actually phenomenally well. It's, I love to go in the tasting room on, on Saturdays and Sundays, and I get a chance with my heart to talk about the winery, talk about our history, and watch the reaction. Trust me, in banking, we didn't get the same reactions you get from a customer who loves your wine. Uh, they didn't say, I love your mortgage, or I love this mutual fund. Uh, <laughs> but boy, you know, they love the wine. So, so it's going great. We have now... Um, uh, three wines over 95 points, uh, four wines over 94 points. We sell our wine now in the, in the UK. By the way, a, a French master Somme um, picked up our wine for 17 restaurants that he buys for. And um, I was very intimidated in the meeting and it turned out to be one of the best meetings we ever had. He was such a fan of what we're doing. So that's a long, long story around. Uh, what is the brand? Wine. What is the brand? How can people find you, the, the winery? Okay, it's going to be very difficult. We're um, it, we, right now. We can ship in the United States only. Well, if you're in the UK, you can get it. I, 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 um, if you're in the UK, reach out to Zarina or me on the well, comments. Pit, I'll put the link below with your email so people okay. can reach you if they're interested. Yeah. Thank you. Rarewood Ltd is in the UK, but the brand is Ambassador Wines of Washington. If you look up AmbassadorWinery.com, that's us. Um, mm -hmm. It'll change your life. I'm telling you. By the way, I should add that to my formula. <laughs> Motivation plus inspiration times determination uh, multiplied by um, 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 ambassador wines equals success. There you go. <laughs> I love that. I just wonder whether whether one day a bank would be able to, or a client of a bank would be able to say, uh, I love your mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> It's the next um, goal to be able to change that. <laughs> that'd be quite a transformation to love the bank, yeah. to love their bank. Yeah. Um, but, but it's a, it's a great company. Thank, thank you for asking about my business, but it's been great because I get a chance to practice what I talk about. That's one of the things about authenticity. that's so important. What people, when you did your introduction regarding um, uh, trying to understand how can companies help their workers be happier, more fulfilled while serving the brand, how can individuals have a career that's happier and, full, and more fulfilling? Then the, the whole word that jumps out at me is hypocrisy. Mm. Sometimes we just don't know the gap between what we're saying and the truth because we have to say certain things and do certain things. Inauthenticity is one of the major issues that companies face today. Uh, look, how many times have you heard the CEO of a company stand up and say, people are our greatest resource. But if you look at their diary, let's have a real, I call it an acid test. Look at their diary. They spend hours and hours and hours each and every day talking about how to hit the numbers, mm. how to make financial targets, how to manage shareholders, how to get more promotion for the shares so people buy them. And everything but people is in there. So another way to win is about saying, wait a second, the, way, the, the route to winning for an organization, it's not putting the financials first. It's actually putting your money where your mouth is, which is, why don't we invest in the people? I'll tell you what, the employees of an organization know what's wrong in that company. You know, one of the key things besides um, understanding the scarcity mindset, the next key thing is to understand and, and flatten the organization. Use social media to connect and listen to the workers. They know which processes are broken. They know what customers complain about. They know what things we need to do better in order to help make their teams perform better. 
they know these things. We need to listen more to them. The old suggestion box is dead. Let's not have a, uh, an occasional uh, fireside chat with the CEO. Let's connect and flatten that organization. Change comes from bottom up and top down. So that's, that's a really important part of it. So, yeah. so ending hypocrisy is massively important. If people are most important resource, show me the diary that says, what did you do to talk about your corporate culture this week versus boost the share price? And by the way, the paradox of paradoxes is that when you focus on the people, when you focus on the culture, you actually end up with results that you would have been afraid to predict how good they would be. I had people telling me at, uh, I worked at Barclays Bank back in the day, and they told me we can never do more than 10 sales per seller per week. Look at our 10-year chart, Mike, 9.5, 10, it's flat, it's flat. After our transformation, when we ignited the passion of 30,000 people around, not a campaign, but around actual culture transformation, sales per seller per week were at 23, and they were more compliant. So we had a, we, we had a better relationship with the regulator, and we had a post-sale process to welcome, but also to make sure that our sellers were compliant. So higher quality sales, and 2.3 times the previous level of a decade where I was convinced. Why? Because we invested in the people and we unlocked the um, uh, discretionary energy of the workforce. That's what ending hypocrisy does for you. And that's mm -hmm. what putting people first. And that's what meaning what I mean when I say there's a different way to win. Mm -hmm. I was you know what, what I was uh, thinking of doing for this conversation, I actually thought I would simply share my screen and open my LinkedIn uh page so you can see what kind of news and what kind of posts are there from companies but i i'm not going to do it but i challenge you whoever is listening to open your linkedin and just see how genuine indeed these posts seem to you and compare them to the posts of individuals and and also uh, mike when you said that uh, the job of the ceo or one of the major tasks of the CEO should be to, um, to put in their agenda, whatever I've done for people. My thought was about all these pages and social media pages that are managed by moderators and the knowledge of these moderators actually never reaches the CEO. So what is going on there? Uh, a separated, hypocritical, I want to know what my client is doing, but you know, in the end, this information reaches nowhere. Yeah. That's, that's a really important point. And, and we have to understand that a CEO hires people that they trust, they respect. People have delivered for them in the past are people that they hire. But understand also that the people that they hire, their job is to assure the CEO that they're doing a good job, that everything's okay. And especially, I go back to the HRD. The HRD has very little, um, they're, they're accountable for something that they have very little responsibility for. I used to know that my HRD would, sometimes I was the worst customer for the HRD because I was the business in the business unit and my HRD was trying to say, Mike, we need to affect change. And boy, if, if, I, I, if I didn't buy into it, it wasn't going to go anywhere in my organization. So I understand the job is really tough for the HRD. But what can happen is as moderators, we end up, we end up um, um, take the information, homogenizing it, giving it the CEO so that we come up with three of the things that really need to be fixed up that we want him or her to know. And then three massive successes that he or she uh, created so that they feel good. And, and not everybody's like that. I don't mean to say it's like that, but I'm telling you, it's prevalent. You're, you're exactly right. The moderators are, are afraid sometimes to let the CEO have the truth. Um, and I could give stories. I, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but, but there's stories that I did when I was as, as executive manager to, to, to narrow that gap and to go spend time with people. Um, 
a lot of times what we don't realize is the seeds of success are planted, excuse me, the seeds of failure are planted mm -hmm. in times of success. And it's up to the leader to go and understand what were the things that we're doing now that cause us to drift from the key word you said, which is values. Values begin to drift. The business begins to drift. And, and typically what drives the values drift is, is an over, over intense focus on the shareholder and the financial results. Mm -hmm. Now we're compromising the values that we say we hold dear. Now there's another set of values. And that's absolutely crucial to understand. Not how people feel about their boss all the time. Understand what are your values and how do you see those values played out in the company or not? And then what are the company's values that we said are important and what's that gap? It's that gap that we cannot exist. So hypocrisy to values is, is absolutely everything. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. I suggest we conclude it here. It was a lovely talk as always. We can, we can uh, talk another time about ex exactly these, uh, value gaps, because uh, we've had it in a previous conversation when you talked about the disparity between uh, the communicated culture, the culture of the uh, of the executive board, and the culture that is projected to the outside. Um, so that was a very interesting talk, and maybe it's worth to remind it again at some point in time and talk about the transformation that you had enabled previously. So, Can Mike. Can I interject yeah. one thing before we wrap up? Could you sure. just remind me of something? One of the things I'm doing right now with the client, and it's actually the HRD of a of a um, of a, a mid-sized company, a pretty prominent company. But but we're we're, we're talking about how to create, um, how to overcome some of these issues, and how to create a meaningful personal development program inside the organization. It'll have a lot of the components that I'm talking about. And and um, in their organization, they use the nine box. So um, the ninth box which is high potential and high um, um, performance. And that means they're ready to promote. So we're putting together a program for the, for the ninth box people, but also for the three boxes that um, are contingent, um, contingent, pardon me, the three boxes that are- that Adjacent. Are adjacent, thank you, to, to, to that and how to move people into the ninth box. Um, in my mind, that's the organization's responsibility. So in this case, we're working together with HRD to create a program for this organization that will really transform how we manage the talent pipeline and, and, and move people through organization to deal with that scarcity issue, that what's in it for me issue. The first mm -hmm. step is to say, you have a future of this company and look, we promote from within. We don't acquire talent, we create and, and, and build and develop talent inside the company. So I want to point that out because not, I don't just criticize people in, in, in certain organizations or just sympathize with them. We're thinking of ways to actually say how to create programs to make their jobs much more meaningful um, and, and, and do what I think is a company's responsibility, which is to help people develop. That's a great topic for, for the next uh, call, <laughs> for the next podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mike. I'll put your uh, the links to your um website and email below the podcast and below the video if anybody wants to contact you they can do so thank you so much it was a great pleasure as always thank you zarina love seeing you and love what you're doing um i'm i'm, I'm a fan of yours and anything i can do to help you grow i'm always there so thank you for having me on today <laughs>